0: doing another variation of a Celtic crossbread for another yes. one of our lovely wildling friends. And then we are going to discuss Solabusca, which I think I may be stepping on your toes to say might be your favorite chapter from our book.
1: I feel like That and Terre de Marseille were both my favorites, Yeah, which really really surprised me because neither of those decks are ones that I reach for often. But as far as like historical nerdy shit, those those two chapters are there. It (laughs) is
0: there. Yes, I totally agree with you. I'm so, so, so excited. And also, so for our last Wildling reading, we used the... Just most traditional uh, Celtic cross spread. And I think that we're going to try to find alternative Celtic cross spreads for the rest of these Celtic cross readings. So you can kind of see how big of a difference something like the wording of the questions can make in one of these massive readings like this.
1: Yes, totally. Because with the fact that the modern age we learn and we can adapt and we can morph it into something better than what it was originally.
0: Exactly. And I think that probably by the end of this, we're going to write our own because we have very strong opinions about the order in which you pull for terror. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So we will see where that leads, but let's start with our question
1: from our lovely, lovely Jenna. Do you want to read it Esther? Our first question is from Jenna and she asks, my question is regards to buying a new home. My family and I moved into a much smaller rental home almost four years ago, and we've had nothing but problems with the property management. But have decided to stay due to low cost and pandemic. One of our children needs to move uh, needed to move home, and we added a dog to our family. So rather than find a larger home to rent, we were hoping to buy. My question is surrounding any potential obstacles that may be, get in our way. We we're hoping to begin looking for a home to purchase in the spring of 2022. I'd like to be prepared as much as possible ahead of time to make the purchase smooth and not stressful. Smooth
0: and not, well, not stressful is a pipe dream.
1: Yeah. However. It's a house. (laughs) It's a house.
0: What do we expect? Okay. So we are using Teresa Reed's uh, Celtic Cross from Tarot, No Questions Asked, Mastering mastering the Art of Intuitive Reading, which we reviewed on a regular episode a couple of months ago and really, really, really liked Yes, 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 yes. And one of the reasons that we like this variation is that it is very action-oriented. Yes. So we will still be pulling 10 cards, one for each position, and then at the end, we will start reading them together. So position one, Esther, is present moment. So I think maybe we should just bring it out to house buying process more generally. Okay. Okay. So
1: the present moment for the house-buying process. Okay.
0: (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Yep.
1: All right. I got... Death. Lovely. And I got the nine of swords. So that's very present. <laughs> that's
0: where are you at, Death. Death Nine of Swords. How uplifting. Great star. Position <laughs> <And that's>, two
1: <laughs> Like what else do we expect? Yeah.
0: Position two shows potential obstacles or support. So it's just what crosses you. Yeah. Six of Cups for me.
1: And for me, the Eight of Cups.
0: Eight okay. of Cups. Wow, that's a lot of emotions. Um, Okay, we'll talk about it when we get there. All right. Yeah, and no, I'm like, we got <laughs> to keep going. We got to keep going. <laughs> All right. Three is the foundation of the situation or past conditions that have led to the present. So kind Ooh. of like influences yeah. in some way. Okay. Where you're coming from. The devil for me. The 3 of swords. 3 of swords. I think that makes a lot of sense since the mm-hmm. rental situation has been such a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh for the recent past or the things that are just starting to move into the background. So, it might still have lingering energy, but it's on the way out. This is a change about this Celtic cross that I really love. And I got the Ten of Wands.
1: And I got the Queen of Wands. Okay.
0: You're going to have to take out so much just pausing as I write stuff down.
1: Oh, no, I'm having (laughs) to write the position and the stuff. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Okay, position five is
0: situations on the horizon or what may come into being, which means possibilities. Oh, the sun. Oh. See, I think that the... Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it more when we go into more depth about the cards themselves, but I think that the spread that Teresa has adapted is Uh so much more... Holistic, yeah, and kind of like focused on change rather than just like mm-hmm. what what you're being trapped in. You know what I mean? Yes, one, two, three,
1: four, five, six, seven. Because I kept losing count. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's, it's okay. Well, it, the two of wands popped out, and then I put it back, and it came back out again. All so right, two, two of wands. wands it is. <laughs> and what did you pick? The what sun. Did you
0: the sun. Sun. Oh, that's right. Which I think that as a possibility of being are both really good signs. Uh huh. And six The near future or what is coming Or developing from the situation Developing Near future I got the four of cups and I got the High Priestess, HP, and seven. Position seven. This is the querent at the moment. So if you're looking at a Celtic cross, the seven, eight, nine are the line that's along the right hand side. Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah there are four. I just can't count <laughs> apparently.
1: Uh,
0: the seven is the querent at the moment. So this can reflect your current right. position or your prevailing attitude. And that's how it differs from position one, which is the present Uh moment and where you are right now. Position seven is
1: more about your current attitude. Right. And in the former Celtic Cross, this is where the advice came in. And that's when we kind of like bucked the system last time because we're like, why is the advice at this point Mm -hmm. when we don't know the full situation yet? So anyway, so querent at the moment, I got the six of swords. And I got the Knight of Cups. Oh.
0: All right. Position
1: eight is
0: environment, surroundings, or other influences. So this is that situation where it's kind of like outside of the control of the querent. This position can be the home or work environment, as well as the people who may be influencing the situation.
1: got the three of swords there's the nine of pentacles
0: nine of pants. yeah i mean all the hard work stuff and like sorrow mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. all right so nine the this is the hopes and fears of the querent it can also symbolize the shadow work needed to be done yes okay hopes and fears
1: six of pentacles oh that's sweet and i got the seven of swords seven of swords
0: yeah there's some conflict with feeling like you have to be sort of like so giving of yourself to other people Hmm. uh all right and then last but not least this is the outcome or where you're headed and then she, Teresa says, once you interpret this card, you might choose additional spreads to decide on courses of action, especially if the outlook seems unfavorable. hmm I think that that's why this is good to kind of, like, leave out the advice until uh-huh, you right. get to 10, which is kind of what we did when we exactly. did the reading for, for Rachel. Rachel. Right. What did you get? Death. Wow. And I got the page of swords. Okay, so let's interpret this, and then we can come back and pull more cards if we think that they'd be helpful. We feel like it. Which I feel like we probably will. Okay, so just because (laughs) having a, like, sort of outcome be a new beginning with a page is a little bit tricky to, like, interpret in, like, a sort of like for you maybe i'm just kidding. well yeah i mean it's easy to interpret <laughs> but it isn't a- as action actionable as I would like it to be holly likes action i want to be told what to fast do fast and furious <laughs> yeah exactly okay so the present moment position one this is where sh- where jenna is right now the heart of things the heart of things is that jenna is fucking worn out and exhausted yeah, Things feel kind of over in some ways. I mean, the death card in a position of how you feel now is not the, I'm in the rejuvenation period of the death card, especially <laughs> paired with the nine of
1: swords. It's in the, I'm dead portion of the death yeah. card. Well, and I think it's really interesting because we didn't really talk about imagery in our previous Celtic cross, uh-huh. but... In Morgan Greer with the Nine of Swords, there's that binding in the arms that happens to so that feeling of being trapped and the anxiety of feeling trapped yeah. in the space. Yeah, totally. So I and it's not necessarily like the eight where you know you 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 have a way to get out. This is a literal like trap. Well, and you know what's interesting about that
0: it. if we're gonna like bring in the actual symbolism is that I'm using yeah. Everyday Witch and the Death card and the Everyday Witch card is cutting through a rope. Uh-huh. So maybe with oh. those two symbolisms of the hands being tied in the Morgan Greer Nine of Swords and the uh-huh. Death card cutting through a rope in the Death card and Everyday Witch, it's almost like the current heart of the matter as things are right now is that you're working on ways to feel unbound. Yeah. And that's why it can be both like very two kind of difficult cards to get. Mm -hmm. But still because we know of Jenna to not be a difficult person or like Mm a like person who dwells on sorrow. So these two kind of more difficult cards with the symbolism of these specific cards are like what she's doing right now is as the death card kind of trying to wear through like look that rope is almost snapped through. So it's like the current moment is kind of working your way through those Nine of Swords feelings and trying to break through them.
1: Yes, definitely. So then what crosses you for good
0: or for ill being the Six of Cups and the Eight of Cups?
1: I think it's finding space for everyone in your life to be in the same place. Yeah. Like... With this Eight of Cups, it's that moving, it's that leaving and making space for all of your family. Because that Six of Cups is that nostalgia, but also right. your children.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially your children. And having it be the Eight is like, well, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of maybe the conflict what's crossing you is that there is some feelings of we could just, may, is it my nostalgia that's making this move seem so crucial? Like, do how much of a responsibility do I have to create space for everybody And like that can cause some stress because it's harder to find larger places. So what's, and since that position is what's crossing you or what is a potential obstacle or some support, if it's an obstacle, then the obstacle is, you know, that you have to leave, but you feel a lot of nostalgia for the place or for what you were able to do in the place um,
1: I don't feel like that's necessarily because we know how bad it's, it's been It's Yeah, her. exactly. But so that's why I went to family for the Six of Cups. Yeah. So potential support then would just be like. Because Jenna is like a family oriented person that has like likes having everyone around her and near. She's going to have a grandbaby soon. Yeah. So then you're. So having that family near you. I guess I'm just it, having
0: a hard time with the Eight of Cups then. Because the well, makes the, it's, total sense.
1: But the eight of cups is like when you're leaving, like leaving and including everyone in that moving process. Like yeah, when so you're that's moving and moving to replace. Yeah, do it
0: with with your kids. everybody yeah. and that get makes everything sense as yeah. in an obstacle position. Okay, yeah. so the past conditions that have led to the present, the source is position three, and we got the devil and the three of swords.
1: I mean the 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 reason they have to move is yeah. because of their how their asshole cross management they and yeah. the and the sorrow that they've had while they've been here this whole entire time. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty straightforward.
0: The yeah. recent past, though, is interesting because the recent past is the energy that's starting to move into the background, and that energy is the Ten of Wands and the Queen of Wands. So I know that, that I mean, based on Pocket of peers alone, Jenna is definitely the Queen of Pentacles, but she also does so much and has so many like things that she's accomplishing. So maybe the recent past is how exhausting kind of like all of the hustling she's been having to do. Yeah. And now that's starting to feel like a little bit more under control. She's like, you know, has that all of the constant like shop updates. Cause if you hadn't picked up from just knowing us and knowing our love for Jenna, Jenna is the proprietress of moonlit Faye. And so she has these big shop drops. They're exhausting. Um, because she's kind of been the boss in charge of all of it but now it it's like more settled in and so that's the energy that like f- kind of frantic exhausted energy of trying to do that is sort of fading more into the background because it's becoming like more uh, streamlined and she can get more help from people around her and stuff like that
1: and I also think like with this sort of releasing of the current place where she's had to be that active person on top of the property management getting stuff done that she's not having to take on that role anymore as that right. queen of wands and being that sort of like active go-getter we need to ha- like you like think, I, I, this needs to be done pass,
0: so you're saying that that's being released because of the decision to move so she's like to not move, as, yeah not feeling it's, as like required to push for it now
1: Right. I mean, like, because I think when we did her reading on the podcast earlier, we were like, you know, getting lawyers involved doing this, this and this. And now it's become like a resignation. Yeah,
0: we're moving. That's not the property
1: management is not going to change. So why put all this energy into that? Right. Okay. Yeah, I totally see that. Absolutely. So situations on the horizon
0: are what may come into being. And this is where we got the sun and the two of wands, which is basically Mm -hmm. all you could ask for in a position like that. Because it's basically (laughs) saying the possibilities are being able to plan for like such a brighter future. The two of wands is so good in that because even though the two of wands doesn't have kind of like the same amount of control, there's still kind of that dreaminess and that like ability to see brightness is really nice in that position
1: position five yeah and i think it's just like a nice settled sort of duo to walk like into the future right does that that makes any sense like it's there's that sense of like it's thoughtful but it's also so bright and cheerful and a much you know a great relief that's on the horizon yeah
0: totally absolutely i love that a lot Okay, so then six is the near future, or what is coming from the situation. And for six, we got the Four of Cups and the High Priestess. hmm So the High Priestess is a little bit interesting in kind of like a future position, because uh, the High Priestess feels so present to me. Yeah. But I think that paired with the Four of Cups, because it is the near future, or what's about to happen since there might be some time before moving can actually happen, the near future could be you kind of turning inward to kind of look for those, uh, maybe like areas of like what we truly are looking for almost like sort of like what, like rather than just feeling like you have to jump at the first thing that you can get into thinking about like what are our actual priorities, what would make us feel the best because that's kind right. of the whole thing about the Four of Cups is that they're not satisfied with the three in front of them. So having mm-hmm. the High Priestess energy with that feels like it's kind of like a contempla- a suggestion for
1: contemplation in the short term. Totally. Yeah, because the Four of Cups gets shit on a lot, to be honest. But it is a thoughtful card. Yeah, Yeah, like, you're actually, like, thinking through, but you're not just not happy with the choices you have. Right now, exactly. Right now. And so, and that's, and to me, the High Priest is saying it's okay to not, to know what you want. And to not be settled on those choices. Yeah. If it makes any sense. It's, 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 to me, it's like, developing the near future is, like, knowing what you want and not settling for second best. Exactly. I totally agree. Um, so that was... Six. six. Okay, now so
0: seven. seven. Seven is, this is the querent at the moment. And this is the one where we were talking about it being attitude related. And mm-hmm. so we got the six of swords and the knight of, knight of cups. Cups. Wow, Pups. that does not look like the word cups. <laughs> I thought it said the knight of A-P-S. <laughs> the knight of ass. <laughs> yeah, of apps. Uh, knight of apps sounds like a promotion at like a Chili's or something. Like Chili's,
1: exactly. So I was like, Jesus, that's just Chili's tonight. Jeez, did you it.
0: see that meme that I shared on my story? Yes, I did. I saw it.
1: I love it so much. I, can I love, feel That's go- one of my favorite
0: episodes. It's such a good episode.
1: tonight.
0: such a good episode. Um, but okay, so the Six of Swords and the Knight of Cups for the kind of attitude surrounding it. I love Six of Swords yeah. all the time. Uh-huh. Especially any Six of Swords like we've talked about with Druidcraft and is also true in this case. There's so much ownership over the Six of Swords in The yeah. Everyday Witch. Like, it is a witch with the Six of Swords strapped to her back. She doesn't look scared. She just no. looks alert and on top of shit and leaving. Yeah. And I think the Knight of Cups is really sweet paired with that because there's also sort of, like, whimsy with uh-huh. the Knight of Cups. Right. So it's like this really critical thinking we're getting out of here, but also the like enthusiasm and excitement that comes from like the romantic side of getting to think about moving. And I yeah. think that that's the appropriate attitude to have. There's like the critical thinker, six of swords saying this is ending now. And then the excited, happy Knight of of cups
1: being like, and think of all the greatness that will come from this. <laughs> and for me, this, this whole, both these cards together just say like, She's over it. She's ready to move on. We're, yeah. we're gonna go for our own emotional health. Exactly, we gotta civility. get out of, we're here. out of here. And the yeah. six.
0: And I think the six of swords is such a beautiful one for that because it does just totally. feel so like I've decided, and this is happening yep. now. It's not like a, oh, when the timing's right. It's like a this is happening. We're doing it now
1: we're right, doing and it we'll, live and, <laughs> we're doing it live well and the eight of cups has also come up so these are both yeah, like moving leaving. from like established places and the six of swords is like the implication of going from an unhealthy place to something healthy exactly and so that's what literally the picture is here
0: exactly exactly so then eight is where we said, ooh, uh-oh, because uh-huh. the three of swords pops back up. and Yep, eight. three of swords. So the environment, surroundings, or other influences, and we got the three of swords and the nine of pentacles, and I think that that kind of probably reflects the incredible amount of heartbreak that you've been going through and how much work yeah. you've been putting into making it work and
1: how it isn't working. Right. Well, and the fact that your surroundings does not support your current business model either. Yeah. Where your surroundings is literally breaking you, like you're wall to wall, you know, busting out the seams, literally. (laughs) And, you know, that was a really solid (laughs) pun.
0: That was a great
1: pun. (laughs) Thank you. It's like it's 2.16 in the morning. I'm doing great. Okay, (laughs) But yeah, to me, it's like you have created yourself a lush environment for your business, for your home and your family. And like you, this house is preventing you from enjoying that. Yeah, exactly. And the, having a three
0: of swords is like really reflecting that the things that you're feeling are totally right. Valid. Like you totally. are right to feel so heartbroken. You're not imagining oh, yeah. that it's like very, very valid.
1: Yes, totally. So
0: position nine is this is the hopes and fears of the querent, And we got the six of pentacles and the seven of swords. I mean, just the fear of additional conflict and adi- like having to start over, basically. Like,
1: I think that she's afraid of getting swindled again. Yeah, that she's going to give so much of herself and so much of what the, these like expectations and everything she's worked for, and that it's going to be not worth it. In right. The end. Exactly. That it's- that's to me and like i don't usually read the 7 of swords in that sort of like trickery sort of way but that to me is a fear that kind of pings I at me. think it is also
0: because it is paired with the 6 of pentacles which yeah. is kind of like as somebody who's receiving such negativity and terribleness right. from your like you know property managers it uh-huh. feels like the fear is just That, you know, you'll be, like, beholden to another person who's kind of sneaky and underhanded, which is hard. Yeah. All right. So then finally, 10 is the outcome or where you're headed. And for that, we got the page of swords and death again. So we have death in both position one and position 10, Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting.
1: I'm pretty sure a court page came up last time in the sense that like, the discovery of, um, like, studying and, like, researching for things. And I think that sort of, like, energy is here again where where you're heading is death and that change and something big is going to happen. Yeah. But there also is going to be that same energy of you are going to feel like a novice and not like in like confident as a right, different court right. card would feel. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense
0: because the house buying process makes everyone feel like a novice. Totally, so I guess yeah. the benefit is that it is like a new start, but the hard part is that it's going to feel a little bit disorienting. You're not going to feel as yeah. confident about your like ability to fully grasp all of the intricacies. So maybe yes. pulling additional cards for like how to alleviate some of those page of store or how to gain confidence in the house buying house process. House buying process. Yeah. Okay. How to do- gain some confidence.
1: I got the 6 of wands. And I got the wow, we both got really good cards. And I got the 10 of pentacles. Awesome. And I
0: just pulled another one because you know when I would. And I got the <laughs> yeah, 3 of cups. Okay. So I think that yeah. probably like relying on people who want to build you up and celebrate with you yep. will be helpful. Like especially having the t- that 10 and then the ten? 3 of cups uh-huh. and the si- 6 of wands. It's all celebratory. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. And also community oriented. So rely on your community and that will help you feel less unprepared because there's nothing you can really do. I mean, the whole purpose of real estate agents is to try to help navigate it, but even they have ulterior motives just by the nature of the oh, business. Right, right. So business, rely on your community to of uh, people who've been through similar situations because everyone wants to celebrate you and everyone wants yeah. to help this make happen and stuff.
1: Right. Because like this situation feels daunting, Yeah, but it's this community you've built around yourself with your family, your legacy, your friendships yeah. people that are going to hype you up and they're going to celebrate you and they're going to help you. Exactly. So. Everyone wants to do that. Yeah. Good
0: luck, Jenna. What a stressful situation, but you're gonna do it, and it'll be great. Yeah, totally. And everything you've been feeling is completely reasonable. All of the heartbreak. It's so
1: valid. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It will is not long lasting, but it is real.
1: Totally, totally. We love you, and of course, you'll keep us updated because we love you, and you'll tell us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So now we're gonna talk about Solabuzka. Solabuzka.
0: Solabuzka. Esther, so the way, I don't know, we've talked about this a little bit on Patreon specifically, but so the way that we wrote the book is that each of us took a chapter initially and then we edited each other's chapters and just kind of went Uh back and forth. So Solobuska is Esther's bebe. Bebe. I love Solobuska so much, (laughs) but Esther started the chapter, like wrote the whole initial chapter. So
1: Esther, do you want to tell us a little bit about the history of Solobuska? Um Solabuska was written, like written, oh my God. no. <laughs> uh-uh. absolutely not. To a start. <laughs> Solabuska was like, Traditionally, um, they weren't quite sure who kind of did Solabusca. It wasn't really until like the early 19th century that they kind of settled on one dude. Yeah. His name is Nic- Nicola di Maestro Antonio. They used to just like name, like call it like the guy who basically painted Solabusca in Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like literally like that's like my translation. Exactly. That's the that's, that's translation version. But um, it kind of came out a few years, like 40 years after Visconti. Yeah. And it's just a really fascinating deck because it really um, was, like, a picture of its time, if it makes any sense. Yeah. Like, there's really no deck that sort of, like, encapsulates its time, kind of like Solabusca. So
0: the Renaissance was super, super into the classics. So, like, ancient yes. Greece,
1: ancient Rome, all sorts of, like,
0: mythology that adds uh, historical context and importance to Italy, basically. Right, right. So that is something that they're consistently doing, is bringing forward Roman and Greek figures into Mm -hmm. the Solibus Catero.
1: Right. And it's really interesting because, like, a lot of these mythologies were really important, and there was lots of, like revitalizing certain mythologies yeah. because it was ro- they were romanticizing certain people and certain attributes that other people should like follow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a lot, lot of so selflessness a lot of and strength and stuff <laughs> strength like that. Strength and piety and like <laughs> in any So a lot of the cards are actual people, like yeah. mythological figures, real or their fake lord mythologies um sort of there and it's kind of it's the it's the actual f- First and only deck for a while that had like illustrated minor cards right. And a lot of people kind of like attribute, you know, attribute there we go this one. That's the <laughs> affectation I want. They attribute Pixie with like these the first sort of, yeah. first you know, narrative sort of minor cards. but actually it was Solabuska. And Pixie got the idea from this deck. Right. And so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to
0: just circle yeah. back to the fact that this is like in the context of its time, there was the Visconti Tarot and that was all pips. And then obviously a lot more that we don't know about. But this was really the first and most long lasting deck that had illustrated pip cards. And also yeah. part of the reason why we still have it is that it was in the same family for like almost 400 years.
1: Yeah. For, yeah. Since it's kind of like creation, it was in the same family and it all has all the cards intact. Right. I believe. Yeah. All the
0: cards intact. There are slight variations to what we think of as the major Arcana. Right. um, But it's still all of the Trump cards and all of the minor Arcana cards. And it's the oldest deck that is preserved in its entirety. And also the oldest deck that has illustrated minors.
1: And the illustrated minors, in my opinion, come because it was based in hermeticism. Mm -hmm. And if you're into any sort of like esoteric, especially those who follow Crowley and things like that, like a lot of those like foundations for modern day sort of like esoteric practices come from the, you know, like hermeticism, essentially. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of like a philosophy, it's a philosophy and wait, what what was the actual word for it? What am I thinking of? The alchemical. Alchemy. Yeah. yeah, alchemical. You know, so there's, like, lots of, like, alchemical influences and mythologies and beliefs in this deck. And at first you would think, like, oh, yeah, no, like no wonder it survived all this time. But it really kind of went out of fad really fast. Yeah. So the whole thing about alchemy is that the idea, I think we think of
0: it as like the alchemist stone, like Harry Potter style, where it's like literally a stone that turns things to gold. But the philosophical idea of alchemy was basically that you could impact things by thinking about them a lot. Mm -hmm. And you can like transform things by giving it a lot of your attention in some ways. Right. And so there's a lot of symbolisms about that, like how to like change things by thinking about it. So that's like the development of debate styles within the Renaissance uh-huh. era, because that's part of the alchemical like transmutation of understandings from one thing to another thing through Focus and discussion. So, right. in a lot of ways, I think that a simplification of uh, the alchemy things would be like, oh, there's a lot of alchemical symbols and colors associated. Uh, with right. alchemy in the deck but then the more broader sense is bringing some of these symbols forwards that then they could be discussed by people and that's the alchemistry that's happening
1: yes and even we have to remember that even though there are these like alchemical hermetic things sort of embedded in the deck it was not used for divination right it was still a playing card it was deck, just people were big
0: fucking nerds for alchemy.
1: I mean, like, I just think of it like as a special scientific expansion pack of like Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. Exactly. Like this, the, this was a game already established, and this was a very special deck for people who understood and were nerds. Right. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> so t- for to me, it's it's really cool that. This exists for so long yeah. and has so many historical figures in it. So like, many. And so many. So
0: then, I guess, just skipping back to where I interrupted you from. That's okay. The reason that there's this connection between writer Wade smith and Solabuska is that Solabuska, once the family who had owned it for 300 years, 330 years uh like kind of brought it to the public it was on display at the British Museum at the same time that Pixie was living in London and uh-huh. also creating the Rider-Waite Smith deck so right. we talked about this a little bit in our Rider-Waite in one of our uh Rider-Waite Smith episodes but the major arcana was where Arthur Waite was mostly focused and yes. he even says for the minor arcana he just kind of like didn't care as much and so Pixie could do whatever she wanted and there are right. distinct similarities between the minor arcana of Solabuska and the minor arcana in Rider-Waite-Smith. And I don't think that anyone should take that as us saying, like, Rider-Waite-Smith is less impressive because she knows Solobuska right. themes. But it's really neat to kind of see more of that connection with older forms of tarot in Rider-Waite-Smith. And a lot yes. of it can be chalked up to the very, very, very high probability that Pixie saw those cards at the British Museum and was like, oh, I love those that symbolism and used it. Right.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I think the alchemical hermeticism stuff touched on to things that, you know, Arthur Waite and Pixie practiced. Yeah. And I think it just kind of goes to show, like, I w- it's kind of like, I wish they would have, like, taken their source from, like, Solabuska instead of, like, the Egyptian stuff. Instead of, like, the fake lore Egyptian stuff. Like, you already have, like, a really cool, you know, (laughs) you have, like, a cool-ass deck already here. Yeah. Build it on that. You know, like... (laughs) Exactly. You don't need to create something that's fake or, like, a fake history to make something legitimate and cool. You know? So, anyway. Yeah,
0: there's actual legitimate cool history. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, like, it's already there. So So... yeah. Uh, what is one of your favorite facts that you learned about Solabuzka? <sighs>
1: uh, I think it really just had to do with these nerds just getting together and be like, oh. Chemistry. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like,
1: I'm going to, like, I'm going to paint this deck and my best friend is the dude that's like translating like these hermetic, like the guy who was translating, I forget his name, he was translating the, the arts of, like the works of Plato from Greek into Latin and stopped what he was doing so he could translate like the hermetic stuff. And I was like, wow. Because like, to for us, we see like these great works of Plato as like a really big deal. yeah. But he specifically saw that these, like the, the, what is it? The Hermist the, the Corpus Hermeticum was a really fucking big deal. Yeah, and so he just he stopped, stopped everything and everything started translating previously it. been doing. It is pretty neat. Yeah. So that, I just think that's like a level of nerdity that I aspired.
0: And for me, I, maybe it's just because I wasn't being nerdy enough. I didn't really know what hermeticism was. And so I found oh, yeah. that stuff, which we researched for this chapter so that we could like know what the hell we were talking about. I found learning right. about I didn't realize that people like in the middle ages considered alchemy to also be philosophical. I thought it was literally yeah, yeah, just yeah, only yeah. That was literal. so cool. Like yeah. full blown like Harry Potter Nicholas Flamel level like people yeah. literally trying to turn lead to gold. I didn't realize that that was used metaphorically in like like enlightenment thinking basically. Uh-huh, right, um, right. And so I really like I just thought that that was such a cool connection that like this time period was sort of like People, Some people who had the resources and money to commission big giant decks were like so interested in this thought exercise of like what everything could mean that they sort of like infused day to day life stuff with these symbols of that like alchemical commitment almost
1: right well and and one last fun fact um the hermes try yes we're so fluent in all of k- the languages used. The languages. In <laughs> i'm like thank the goddesses we aren't doing an audiobook because i would butcher every name
0: somebody would have
1: to help but us but the the guy who is reported to have written the the corpus hermeticum or whatever like he was like a contemporary of moses and i was like yes yeah, that yeah, yeah, moses. Yeah, that. and i thought that was hysterical <laughs> i was like what are you that's you only but one yes. of
0: several very good jokes you make in this chapter, <laughs> this, Master.
1: This chapter is really punny. I I'm saving them for y'all to read them because yeah, they, exactly. they have to be. Read. They're so
0: good. But yeah, isn't thats is funny that they really were like, this was originally written by Moses, as though Moses
1: didn't have other stuff
0: he had to do for real. You know.
1: You know. <laughs> for real. Um, yep. So yeah, but um, but like this all the mythological stuff, like all the Alexander the Great shit was amazing. Like how they rewrote his history essentially in this time period was like, I was geeking out over
0: that. Yeah, so that's, so my Greek
1: grandfather, he used to
0: always say that we were descendants of Alexander the Great. And then I later found out that every (laughs) Greek grandfather told their grandchildren that they were descendants of (laughs) Alexander the Great. And now you know why! And now I know (laughs) why, because Alexander the Great in this time period was like having this resurgence of interest where people were like, the Renaissance was obsessed with Alexander the Great. He was seen as this, like, scholar king, and so all wisdom was, like, basically passed directly through him, and that's, like, amplified in this deck. There's an Alexander the Great card and also a card designed after his mom.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, all the mythology that went into that, like, it's such, It's just so interesting. Like, so cool. Yeah, It's so totally. cool. So- you have to read this chapter because it's just amazing.
0: I know. It's such it's a, a good chapter. chapter. You can pre-order a book. It's called The History of Tarot Art by... By Adam Holly Adam Adams-Easley. Adams Adams Easley. And it is great, especially this chapter. No, all of it is great. But this chapter was all of such a delight to do. I don't yeah. even really have any ha-cards huh because I truly like all of them.
1: I mean, even the haunt card, just like the Three of Wands, is kind of very haunt y, where like the wands are like just so head. ridiculous. I know. And like, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous, but at the same time, it's hysterical. And how could you haunt that card? I you know. Have to just love
0: it. It's totally true. The Three of Wands is yeah. pretty funny. So the Three of Swords is like the heart being punctured by swords. So, and then the Three of Wands is like a puffy baby head being punctured by three
1: wands. <laughs> And I was like, when I saw this, I was like, this has to be our cover page for the art. And I was like, yes, Yes, we did
0: please. It. It's just so yeah. good. What are so some good. of your
1: favorite cards? Um... The nine of cups for obvious book reasons. Yeah, you'll have to go to the book
0: for that joke.
1: Love that, and it's—I mean, it's—it's just a really. I also really love all the queens. Yeah, because of the stories, and like we find out in our research that it—they were based upon a book that was out at that time. Like all the queens were seen in this one specific book, so you can go actually go back to the text like other original texts to see where they got the influence for the people in this book. I yeah. mean, in this deck, like, it's not just like, these are actual historical mythological figures, not just like a random Joe on the front of a car. Yeah. And all so of really the
0: Queens cool. are associated with specific mythological figures. Yes. Yes. And there, are oh, the book that Esther's referring to is called Declaris Molierebis on famous Women, women, which was published in 1362. And apparently it was the first book to that was exclusively devoted only to biographical stories of women, um, but it was designed to, like, celebrate virtues and shame yes. the opposite of virtue, sins, I suppose, yes. whatever, discrepant, <laughs> discretions, um, mm-hmm. which is, of course, so shitty and so whatever, but they do, there's, like... Uh, Athena, Helen of Troy, Polizena, who's the Queen of Cups. She was, uh, Achilles was in love with her um, during the Trojan War. And then obviously Athena. And then Alexander the Great's mother is the Queen of Swords. So it's just like all this fun mythological stuff that I just really love.
1: Yeah. And then
0: there's like a Nebuchadnezzar card. Oh yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, there's, there's Nebuchadnezzar. like
1: Nero, Nebuchadnezzar, and then what other name, end name? N- uh, num, num. Nimrod. Nimrod. I was like, Neptune is not what I'm thinking No. Nimrod. Uh, Can I just
0: read this passage, please? I'm sorry. Okay.
1: (laughs) It's okay. Read it. It was just so good. (laughs)
0: Continuing through the cards, we see the Solobuska cards portraying three. uh, We see that the Solobuska cards portray three popular biblical figures as Trump cards, reinforcing the Renaissance's commitment to celebrating Christian mythology. Nero, Justice, Nimrod, Judgment, and Nebuchadnezzar, the world, not only all have names that begin with the letter N, but were all great kings of their time, known for (laughs) conquering land, building wealth, and great cities, and destroying the empires of their enemies. Esther?
1: I was like, this is the passage that my seminary degree is coming in handy for. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like, literally. Boy, (laughs) can I do this. And
0: actually, that's kind of the funny thing about editing each other's stuff, is that almost all of... Esther was getting so seminary school in parts oh, of this yeah. chapter. And so like, our editor, Beth, was like, <laughs> ho- "Like when I was going through it, it was all just like, can you make this a little bit more light? Fun? <laughs> in that chapter.
1: Like, no! And then in all of my it's chapters narrow. that Esther
0: had to edit, it was like, can you get
1: a little bit more information here? Can we slow it with the jokes? Yeah. <laughs> But that's how like our writing styles complement each exactly. other. Exactly. Where was so, we had where to have both of them. I needed us. to lighten up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we both like were able to complement each other in our writing style. So it comes into some sort of cohesive. And it's why we process. like reading
0: our books so much because it makes us both laugh so hard. It's the so other true. people's stuff is just like tickles us. It does. Uh, anyway, so I think that my favorite cards are also probably the Queen's. Yeah. All of them yeah. are just really beautiful. They're all sort of in
1: profile sitting on thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all just really I, great. And in the book, I was like, can, can we please adjust these queens so they're like facing the other directions? And so it's not really weird. Yeah. Cause like they are as we're talking about them, the same direction. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was totally. I was like, that's kind of weird. It kind of like. Yeah, can we, can we change this a little bit? So I I made a note for them to change it. Yeah. I I was like, thank you. I
0: think that I also really like all the, I think every single minor is great because I do, it does, it's not pippish at all, as we discussed with the first illustrated one. But I also think that the focus is so on the items of the suit that it mm-hmm. still feels like really, really, really obvious. And a way that other old, old decks are less obvious of what specifically they are. It right. just works so well in the minor arcana in Solabuska. It's just so beautiful.
1: Hey, well, relax. and sorry. <laughs> no, That's I will working. not relax. It's okay. don't you tell me to chill? <laughs> there's those thing thing in that's chill as this house. Yeah. Um, for for me, like the miners are really strong, not only because there's like the seamless incorporation of the items and objects, but also because there is like such fluid movement in the cards. Yeah. Like that's unexpected for its time, because we're used to pips up until like the mid, you know, until Pixie, you know, yeah, comes yeah. out with their deck. We're used to those sort of cards, like even with Oswald Worth Terror that came out right before. Um, Pixie's deck, you know, that was still a Pip Miner. So, you know, right. it's, it's, and r- I
0: just, I think that it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that this deck was in a private collection of one specific family. So it's yeah. not like anybody was seeing the illustrated Miners and the most used mm-hmm. cards were Terradimer Psy cards, which are fully Pips
1: and right. also have a
0: much more sort of like simplistic art style
1: well, it came directly from playing cards. Yeah. yeah for exactly. Solobuska, like I, you know, like I really think it was like a specific celebration of, you know, Hermeticism slash alchemy. And some bunch of nerds were like, let's do this art project. Yeah. It's really yeah, cool. Exactly, you know? Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's just like such an interesting deck. And I feel like there are, it's not as utilized. And that's actually one of the reasons why in our book, our book comes with mm-hmm. the major arcana from Solabuska. Yeah, Like, that is a pull-out, sort of tear-apart component of our book. Because we want yeah. people to see them. Like, they are just so good. So we're yeah. really excited that that's part of it. Um, And, like, kind of a part of the book that we haven't talked about as much, because we didn't write it. We just were, like, there for the design of it. Right, but right. But felt like such an obvious choice, because not only is it... An obvious choice because it's in public domain. But also right. it's an obvious
1: choice <laughs> because it's just so cool and so so right.
0: infrequently used, I guess. It's
1: it's really like underappreciated, under celebrated. Mm-hmm. Like there are some like other like terror history nerds that really love it, but it's not like used a lot like Terra de Marseille. Right. And it's sort of kind of like it's it's it feels ancient, but like unusable ancient. Yeah. And I think that like to me, this has more to do with our modern tarot than any other deck out there. Yeah, so it feels you know, like way more related It influenced way more yeah. than any other deck. So, But
0: speaking of rights, this is a good chance for us to get to talk about the Dali tarot, which we oh, yeah. also did not get to include in our book. But as a little true. fun thing, we wanted to talk about fun it fact. a little bit on the podcast because we loved writing, or Esther wrote that part of the chapter also. She's <laughs> <Jeez>, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and but we couldn't use it because of uh art rights, right? Which, right. by the way, so shady because the publisher Toshin, who owns uh-huh. the Dolly Tarot rights, also just released that other tarot art book. Oh, so right, that's right, right, why right. they wouldn't. I mean, I'm assuming it feels I think like that's, that's probably, probably why, they, why, did it. why yeah. they didn't let us use it in the book, right? But so, Esther, tell us about the Dolly Tarot because all I remember from uh the section about it is that it was commissioned by a director of a james bond film yes and salvador dolly actually painted the entire deck yes but it was not done in time to be used in the james bond film
1: well okay so um the whole entire parts pages whatever however many pages we got got like one and a half pages. It will be posted on Patreon with, with the oh, yes, um, yes, episode. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. you get to read kind of my summarization. But yeah. here's a summary. So Dolly's wife was super into tarot. And Dolly himself was kind of like into tarot. Like, you know, he, I think he'd actually done a few tarot cards before this or like alluded to them in his artwork, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm not I'm really I'm trying not to look at my notes here because I'm trying to remember. I love rock, it. I'm pretty word impressed. for word. But yeah, so. This director of a James Bond movie. He, this was the first movie with what's his face? Richard? Maybe? Maybe? Nope. I don't know. What's? I don't know all the Bond people. Let me. Not see. Sean Connery. Somebody else? No, it's the one before. It's the one after Sean Connery because Dolly did not like the new guy, oh, so he god. painted Sean Connery as the Emperor or some oh, other card. Oh my god! To 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 be, What's his fucking name? <laughs> Dolly. I'm trying to look for in our tarot, but it's, it's like Solabuska episode section we had to delete. Oh, oh, wait. Maybe I have it here. Do I put it over here? Nope. Nope.
0: <sighs> well, you'll just have to join our Patreon to find it. Out. Yes, true. You'll have to find it with
1: Rich. <laughs> for- I think his name is R. Richard something. Anyway, so. So Dolly did not like him, but yeah, he did all of the cards. He painted himself into some of the cards, obviously, but it's just like a really, but he asked for too much money and the director at first was like, yeah, we can get you the money. And then when the project finished, Dolly asked for more money than was initially Uh... quoted, if I remember correctly. So then like, it became like a deck that just like, it took, I want to say like three years to finish or something like that. And, um, but Dolly had finished it, but, it, and he did a limited release, if I remember correctly, of the deck itself, like in the 80s, like the early 80s. Just on his own. um, Just on his own, like a very limited set. And then I guess Tashen or whomever bought the rights recently or whatever from the Dolly estate. Right. To release and so it in 2020. so then they
0: did that gigantic box. Okay, so yes, Sean gigantic Connery. Box Played from 1962 to 1967, again in 1971, and again in 1983. So it's David Niven, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton. Roger Moore. Okay.
1: It's Roger Moore. Because Roger Moore had just become the new James Bond, and Dolly did not like him, so Dolly painted Sean Connery. In the deck.
0: Oh, it's actually Sir Roger Moore. Just FYI. Sorry. <laughs> I <didn't
1: laughs> But worry. I've heard like, but I've heard like lots of really good things about Roger Moore. So I feel, and Sean Connery is legendary as an asshole. So yeah, I feel like.
0: Exactly. Maybe Dolly didn't have that great of a taste in bonds
1: is what we're saying. You know, is what I'm saying. Because Roger Moore like is like, has, has been said over and over what a great person he is. Yeah. So. Watch something was. horrible come out about him.
0: But anyway, in the next yeah. three weeks before this is
1: released. Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, we've cursed ourselves. I know, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: But anyway, so if you want to read our little excerpt about the Dolly Tarot that we could not include in our book, we'll be posting that onto to Patreon, Patreon? Um, for Patreon supporters. So if you would like to read that, it'll be available at the $5 and $15 level. Yep. And I think that that's our show. Check out Solabusca. Go so. look at that sucker, order our book so you can learn all about it and just like bask yeah. in the nerdy glory. And it's so good. Yeah, I just am so, so, so proud of that, of the Solabusca chapter. I'm so stoked about the Solabusca deck. And mm-hmm. Jenna, we love you. We do. <laughs> Check look out us. more information so cool. about our podcast, including where you can find all of our merch and links to pre order the book. All that
1: stuff is at wildlytarot.com. And in our show notes and review us, even though we're having summer camp, we'd still like to hear your room. Summer camp Camp. camp week four completed. And we appreciate you guys
0: bearing with us during summer camp. It is, I'm assuming a month from now going to have been a full blown (laughs) lifesaver as our regular (laughs) everyday jobs get so beyond bananas, stressful, chaotic, last minute changes left and right all summer long, which is why we have had to do this two years in a row. But this year, we got to talk about our book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go forth and tarot wildly. I love ya!
1: We love you <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs>